Welcome back to the Ordinary Saints podcast. It has been a while, but I'm here with Richard, and we're happy to be here. For season two. Season two. Yeah, I think that's what we're going to call this. Season, I think so. That Season good. two of the Ordinary Saints podcast. Yeah, um, and we are actually face-to-face, socially distanced. Yeah, but. which is really <laughs> nice. Um, it's a change from, from all the recordings we did in the second half of last year. Yeah, we were recording online in separate parts of the city. And that definitely had its challenges. So I'll be honest, I'll be the first to put up my hand and say it's uh, much nicer being in person. It is, because I can actually look at your face when we're talking, which is pleasant. <laughs> Not seeing your face. Okay, that could be taken many ways. <laughs> you got a great face, Richard. All right. Um, that's all right. She's just feeling awkward because I'm not looking at her face at all. I'm just looking at the recording <laughs> device to make sure the levels are okay. Yeah, so of course we're talking about the reality of COVID and the pandemic and where we're at in New Zealand at the moment is Delta is, is over like it is in most of the world. I mean, there are still people getting cases of, of Delta, and uh, which is still quite serious. But uh, the Omicron wave, that's where we're at now, uh, with case numbers rising higher than they ever had before. So, yeah, just in this last three days, we've set record uh, infection rates for New Zealand. In fact, I am going to google right now how many cases we've had today because i haven't actually checked that today all right so i've just found it today there are 15,073 new cases i think there's 1500 did i just say 15,000 15, like <laughs> oh, crumbs dear. Sorry, 1,573 yeah. cases. It'll be interesting, uh, by the time you're listening to this, how much more that has risen, which I suspect will be in a few days' time. But all to say that, yeah, this is the highest, these are the highest numbers we've ever seen in Aotearoa, which is concerning for us. And things have shifted, of course, in the way that we're going about life. So previously when we had Delta in the community, it was a lockdown sort of approach. Mm. And we spent a lot of the year last year in lockdown in Auckland. Um, And now obviously we're moving into a really different phase where we're operating under a traffic light system, which means we can continue to go out and do things. But it does feel a bit odd, I have to say. You know, I'm still in this, I'm still transitioning from seeing the case numbers and thinking, how are we not in lockdown but of course, Omicron or Omicron or however the heck you're meant to say it, um, is a different beast to Delta. Yeah. But it is quite weird, isn't it? Shifting. Yeah, it is really hard shifting the mindset because I, yeah, if we had heard the number that you've just read, you know, 1,500 people uh, in a day. And at Delta at its peak, we got up to 200, was it? Something, something like something that. Like that. And we thought that was really huge because that was the height of infection at the time. And we were like, oh, no, it's really bad. It's really getting out of control. And yet, because Omicron is a different disease, really, yeah, we don't treat it with the same kind of severity, right, that, that we are able to meet. We're all wearing masks. We're all being precautionary. Um, but I know among friends there's still that sort of, shouldn't we be going back into lockdown Maybe we should be doing less. Do I want to go to gatherings? 
but that's also sort of coupled with a desire like we expressed right at the beginning of this recording right like damn isn't it nice to be out and to be able to meet with people and and have that degree of normality back in our lives as well Mm. so yeah lots of tensions around all of this stuff definitely and it was really interesting to hear from people about that actually in terms of comfort levels of meeting and things so um, Richard and I and the rest of the uh, Ordinary Saints community met on this past Saturday to, well, those that could make it, to come and chat about 2022. And part of that was reflecting on 2021, but also looking forward and thinking, okay, we're in a different climate now in terms of the COVID response. How are we feeling? Do we want to meet just online? Do we want to meet in person and online, a mixture? Or do we just want to meet in person? And I put through a multi-choice anonymous quiz for people because I wanted to know. And to my surprise, 70% of people came back saying, I want to meet only in person. And, you know, practically, it's going to have to be a mixture. But it was really interesting just to notice the shift from, say, 2020, when a lot of the online stuff was really booming, Mm. particularly in ministry or in churches. I think it was a bit novelty and, sorry, that was my phone going off. (laughs) (laughs) It was a bit novelty and people were willing to give it more of a go. And yeah, just really interesting to notice that shift. I'm not saying that online stuff isn't great because I think it is and it has, it's an incredible tool for us and we're very fortunate to have it. But it was just interesting for me to hear back that sort of feedback from the community. What did you think about that, Richard? Yeah, I was really surprised. I was, uh, and when we talked about that as a group, we also discovered that there were people like myself who said, well, actually, I put down a mixture of both. Not because that's what I want. I, I want to meet in person. But I put that because I was like, look, we're in this weird time and mm. we're going to have to use the online to some level. So it was kind of a pragmatic response. It was like, well, you know, let's let's keep both going. But definitely my preference is to, um, is to meet in person where we can and when we can do that safely. And so I certainly, and I think there were a few others in the group who spoke up and said, well, actually, I was, I was the same. Mm. Uh, really, yes, I, I want us to be safe, but I do want to meet in person uh, when we're able to. And I think that's, uh, I think we're seeing that in lots of places uh, in our community where people are going, you know, we've had this time where suddenly we've had to step away from regular gathering and so on and... Life is less good without it. You know, maybe we were taking a lot of that for granted, the ability to go and spend time with friends in person. Mm. And I know that, you know, we've we've had some discussions around social media and stuff in the past on this podcast. And, you know, that recognition of there are really, really great things about social media and connectivity. And, like, I love the fact that we can record a podcast and people in all parts of the country and around the world can connect with us mm. through that and listen and then communicate with us through email and so on and, and link into our social media accounts. I think that stuff's really exciting. And I do really get excited about that. But there's also something about actual real in-person relational ministry where you actually connect and you're together and you share experiences and you can look people in the eye. And yeah, you know, it's mm. nice that lots of us are kind of remembering how important that is. Yeah, and it makes me think of our retreat, for example. So last year we did our creativity retreat. Oh, what, what do we call it? Creative retreat. Yeah. And uh, looking at you know contemplative prayer and different ways of being creative in that, which was really wonderful. That's, I guess, an example of something that cannot be replicated online. And of course, we can take 
you know, parts of it and deliver the mm. content. And we did do that actually um, over last year through a multitude of Zoom meetings. We did talk through contemplative practices and that was that was great. But it's it's this one of those things where, you know, going away, you, you really can't replicate that. Sharing space with people under one roof, um, making meals together, eating together, uh, all that stuff is is pretty unique. Yeah, and sadly, that was one of the other things we had to let go in the second half of last year, right, was we had a retreat that was planned and, well, I mean, sort of nature intervened anyway because the campsite got flooded out, yeah. but we were also in lockdown. So, you know, sadly, we weren't able to make that happen. But um, that was one of the other things we talked about uh, on our planning day was, you know, is this something people want as part of their connection and with the community and yeah people definitely want it people want that opportunity again when we can do it safely to to connect to spend time to be out of the city it (laughs) does feel quite nice to be out of the city I will admit yeah and I think it was very encouraging that people are still wanting to do that stuff so we decided that given the Omicron surge that is only just beginning I assume we will plan for one one retreat later in the year so that we know we're sort of out of the peak of things but then hopefully as things you know taper off we can actually get into a more regular rhythm of retreats because I think there is something really special about them in terms of building community and I think it's one of the best ways to do it and I know you've had experience of this Richard haven't you in your life yeah so this is episode so far has been a bit of a hi how are you everyone this is just kind of where we're at but in terms of a bit more of a discussion around things that are really important I always have these funny feelings around this time of year you, you know we're in February but January for me over many many years of my life was around going to summer camps so in the diocese where I'm from originally Wellington uh, there was a period of time where we owned a summer camp Uh, well we owned a campsite and it was used not just in summer but we did use it for summer camps with young people and that was always just after new year's we ran two different camps sometimes there were three and they were called riversley adventure camps riversley was the name of the campsite and adventure camps because it involved the camps involved all sorts of adventurous activities like whitewater rafting and tramping and abseiling and rock climbing and all of that kind of stuff and for me i first attended those camps when I was about 19 or 20, and they were there right through my 20s. I was there every summer without fail. It was a a great, great time, but it was a really formative time um, for me. And one of the themes that often comes up at our Ordinary Saints meetings is that thing of wanting to be engaged with the church, but sometimes being engaged with the church is really hard. But the Riversley community, and it was on this sort of annual meeting and this annual gathering and stuff, was one of the things that kind of kept me in there with Mm. church, really, because it was such an extension of my sort of spirituality and connection and friendships and all the stuff that goes with that. Mm. And in fact, yeah, I probably wouldn't be ordained today were it not for my experience of those particular summer camps. That's exactly my story in a way, but I started going to camps a lot younger, so when we, our family moved to Aotearoa, I was born in Dunedin, but we went away, then came back. I started going to Anglican Adventure Ministries camps, and I was eight years old when I started going. They were three times a year, and they were five days each, and I went until my 20s, when the camps stopped going ahead. Those camps were very formative for me. Uh, I learned how to pray. I learned what the Trinity was. I, I learned what a Bible was. I, you know, all of those things. And I was able to make lots of great friendships with people my age and connect with other people in different parishes around, which was pretty cool as well. It gave me a sense that I was part of something bigger. And then 
when I was, I think, 12 or 13, I started training to become a leader in those camps and then started to lead cabins of young kids and, and start leading morning devotions and things like that. And to be honest, that's where I learned most of my leadership skills, I think, mm-hmm. and then eventually started to run the youth camp, uh, which ran alongside the, the children's camp. That is where I decided to, you know, where I learned an interest in faith and theology and all of these things and leadership or whatever. I honestly don't think if I didn't have that formation like you, I probably wouldn't be a priest. That was a huge part of me becoming familiar with and comfortable with my calling, I guess, to be a clergy person. So I have a lot to to be thankful for for those. Uh, I look back and think, okay, some of the theology that I was taught as a very young child, probably not ideal, but you know, since then, it's been great to unpack some of that and, and have discussions with various mentors about, okay, well, let's test that. You know, is that really something that I believe? Or, And it was great. It was an incredible time. Yeah, my experience around the spirituality side of camps was definitely a little bit like, I think your camps were probably quite religious, whereas mine were more <laughs> spiritual. There you go. That, <laughs> oh, on that side of the divide. I hate this dualism, but yeah, <laughs> I, sure. <laughs> yeah, but in the sense of there was a real generosity around the spirituality of, of Riversley as a place and a place with lots of where people were encouraged to explore spirituality but it wasn't really very prescriptive and that said you know it was also couched within a broader Anglican kind of ethos so you know camp did always finish with a Eucharist but most of the process was more spiritual that you know camps when they did activities were encouraged to do spiritual reflection and to you know at the end of a day's work or whatever groups were doing to reflect on, you know, what what did I found find hard? What was positive, and where was God in all of this? And really, just to sit with that question of where is God in all of this? And for many of us, that's that is the beginning of theology, right? Is just that simple question of did I find God in any of this, or how how do I wrestle with that, and how do I experience that in my everyday life? So I'm really grateful, you know, that there was this kind of permissive way of entering into spirituality and room for a great diversity of thought and idea and there were certainly theological debates that happened you know there <laughs> no are definitely doubt. young people who came from very different perspectives uh, and so on but we we wrestled with it together and it was always yeah couched in a, you know a lot of love and care and fun and yeah all that stuff mm. and interestingly for me this has become something that I keep returning to in ministry so sadly that campsite was uh, sold some years ago but I've always found a way to live on a little bit of Riversley in my ministry by having various youth group camps and so on and, and in fact uh, even pilgrimages in my last parish that I went and we had a number of pilgrimages we went on but it was kind of a little bit like well this is filling that that gap in my life where Riversley isn't there anymore it's that thing of a group of people spending time together over the course of a week, a time traveling talking and often the real spirituality happens in those it's late in the day and whatever you're doing is done and you're sitting around and you talk and lots of good stuff happens in that space. Yeah, it's the kind of stuff that can't be measured, you know, like Mm. you can have knowledge and you can learn theology academically or not, but really the magic kind of happens in those unquantifiable moments, right, where yeah, you're tired and, you, you know, you're a bit sweaty because you've been on a walk or whatever. And, yeah. and so sometimes when we're tired, our guard's down a little bit, you know, and we can be a bit more vulnerable with people or share things in a different way. Mm. And, and, you know, obviously what you're comfortable with, but still there's a sort of a different atmosphere that happens when you're journeying with people on that day-to-day sort of rhythm. And for me, I think so much of my understanding of God and 
you know, that question that you said, I love that, which was, you know, where is God in this for you? So much of my discovery around that stuff was stuff I could never write down. It was Mm. in those moments of connection and community that I think, you know, I sensed, you know, the presence of the Holy Spirit amidst us and in us and through us. And I, I just felt that was such a huge blessing for me and still something that I can't quite capture on a a page or even a journal entry you know that stuff just goes beyond so I think that journeying with and being with together is is really powerful stuff I would even say it's sacred stuff this is definitely something that the community of ordinary saints is wanting to continue and implement as part of our rhythm and it was so sad that we (laughs) that we couldn't do the three retreats last year that we hoped to do yeah I think the thing that really that those camps really did was kind of broaden my thought about what church is. Because we say that word church, and look, Anglicans will defensively say things like, the church is the people, not a building. (laughs) But the reason they say that is because mostly when you say church, you think of a building. And often that is the first thing we connect with, right? We think of church as, oh, it's a building, it's a place. But actually church is the community, and church is often a much broader and dispersed community than we imagine. Yeah, often there's sort of a hard boundary around what we think a church is, but actually there's a lot of fluidity in terms of who comes in and who goes and so on. But as as I say, it can be so much bigger. And that's one of the things I really, that re- has really drawn me into the whole expression of ordinary saints is that we are a church without a church. Mm. We're a church without a building, but we are a community. So that probably segues into one of the other things we needed to mention, which is we've had a slight branding change around Ordinary Saints, again, coming out of our planning meeting. We have. Now, up until now, we've called ourselves Ordinary Saints. And right back when we were dreaming about this community and this, this ministry, the preferred name was actually the Community of Ordinary Saints. And we didn't do that at the time, just because it was out of politeness, really, wasn't it? There was another Mm, uh, similar, well, similar but quite different thing happening in this diocese, which was called the Community of Trinity. And that was a year-long thing that would would roll around year to year. And I was really worried (laughs) that that it would seem you know, a replication of that or seem to be competitive. And it's not, obviously, because it's quite a different thing. But it really does speak to what we are best. Because the Community of Ordinary Saints, as it is now called, is not sort of an event that's put on and anyone can come, although they can, um, you know, <laughs> once every sort of month or two months and then sort of go away again. It, it is a community of people mm. who are meeting regularly and undergoing formation and doing these rhythms together intentionally. And it's a journeying with. And I think that essence of what we are is better described with the word community at the front there. So what is the community of Ordinary Saints going to be doing around that stuff of rhythm this year? Yeah, so at our planning day, we did discuss how and when we would meet. Uh, Last year, we did have a rhythm, which was a fortnightly gathering, and we're keeping that going this year. So, But we're changing it to Monday nights um, as per the anonymous survey in which most people were free (laughs) on a Monday. And so we're doing that. And of course, we have to be flexible with in-person and online content or engagement but that's going to be our primary rhythm this year and that's what's going to ground us through the year we also talked about it's not really so much a rhythm but it is I guess a shared commitment that will be open to people who join this community and that is taking on a rule of life now that is one of these things that is quite 
an odd phrase. So Richard, to throw you under the bus, because we know this is exactly <laughs> what needs to happen every podcast, or it wouldn't be the Ordinary Saints podcast. <laughs> if I was to come up to you, Richard, and you're a seasoned priest, so you know I'm here. Seasoned. I'm, I'm here. I'm asking you a, a valid question. What is a rule of life? So historically, in monastic communities, they developed this thing of which is called a rule of life, as you've already said. And the idea of it is often it's a, a set of agreed-upon principles where often when communities gather in a particular way around a, you know, like the community of St. Francis, for example, it's there in the name. There's something about St. Francis and trying to follow the example that Francis set. Um, and often Franciscans use this nice phrase where they say, we are following Francis who followed Christ. So it's it's making those links and saying, Francis was trying really hard to be like Jesus, and we're trying to do it the way Francis tried to do it, which is quite a nice idea um, of, of that sort of continuity. But a rule of life is a way of saying, because there are certain things that we've learned around the identity of Francis and who he is and, and what he believed and how he tried to live out his life, we're going to try to be like that. We're going to try and incorporate some of those principles into our own life and and the rule is giving expression to this is how I'm actually going to do it so it's kind of a practical thing Uh, in some religious communities it's a negotiated thing where they say we're individuals and I think if people in ordinary saints want to do it this is how it would be where people say well you know we talk about these various principles and what this community is about and here's how I'm going to try and do it from day to day some communities are more prescriptive where they say we've established how you do this and here it is, take it or leave it. If you want to be one of us, this is how it is. So we're not going to have quite that authoritarian approach, but rather uh, an exploratory one where we've said, these are some of the values we hold as a community and how are you going to try and give them expression? And again, as you said, it's something some people will want to do, some people won't. Um, And actually that's okay because the nice thing is this is a nice broad community and people can do it in different ways. Absolutely. And if you're familiar with the Community of Ordinary Saints co-papa or what we're about, we base that around what we call four touchstones. And those touchstones are community, formation, action and creativity. And so the rule of life that is open to be explored by those in the community is, is going to be based around those touchstones. So, for example, you're looking at the community touchstone. All right, how am I going to live that out in my life? Is It might be a commitment to come every fortnight to this community. It might be a commitment that I have associated with my local parish. And then looking at the next one, formation. Okay, what's, what kind of commitment or how am I going to live that out in my life in order to learn more about this way of doing life uh whether that's contemplative prayer or (laughs) you know learning about some of the history of the church reading this book reading this great book um i'm reading an awesome one at the moment and i'm about to recommend it to people in (laughs) our community because i think it is is a really formative piece and then again action and creativity so how are these going to be lived out in the context that i live my life so not just when we gathered but when we're, when we're apart, when we're doing our every day. Because I think that also recognizes, too, that each of us have a vocation that we're living out. And it's not just those in ministry, right, who have a vocational calling, um, but it's actually everybody. And so when we say, look, here's, here's this opportunity to develop a rule of life, it's going to be contextualized to, to what you're doing, who you're seeing, who you're associating with, 
what your job is, all of that stuff. And it gives us an example. It gives us an opportunity rather to live that out in a way that speaks to and makes sense for your life. So there's lots of cool stuff that we're going to be exploring over the coming weeks. So it's been great to touch base with everyone. Been great to touch base in person, Sarah. Um, I think the last thing we probably just need to say is uh, our first gathering for those who do want to gather. So that'll be on the 26th, I believe, or the 29th. Okay, Rich is looking up on his phone. It's the 28th. Yeah, it's the 28th. So we're meeting on the 28th. We'll try and do it outside in the Nelligan Gardens in Parnell, but if it's raining, we'll move upstairs. So it's all good. Obviously, if you are feeling uncomfortable, uh, you still want to join, but you're feeling uncomfortable with being in person, there will be an online option so if you want to know any more or just have any questions feel free to contact me my email address is sarah.west at aucklandanglican.org.nz and we'll put that in the show notes so if you didn't catch that you can uh <laughs> you can find sarah's email yeah awesome oh it's been good to catch up yeah you too thanks for coming all the way up to the third floor which is something we call the attic but others call it the loft it's still contested as to what this floor is called it's definitely called the attic it's just very clear it's definitely called the attic all right so there we are in the attic sarah and richard signing off see you next time